Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you already are established in the present truth. Notice, though you are already established in the present truth. I'm going to remind you, Peter says. Yes, I think it is right. Verse 13. As long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by remembering you, or reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. How can I keep from Welcome to today's Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. In our study today, Peter reminds us of the basics of Christian living. Peter just wrote about the promise of entering into the everlasting kingdom of God. Because coming to that kingdom is so important, it is helpful and necessary for Peter to remind us always of the basics of Christian living. Even though his readers did know the truth, he continued to emphasize the importance of their eternal destiny. And it was worth it to go over these ideas again and again. As Christians today, we should always continue to remind ourselves of the basics as we continue our journey. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. Remember when Peter wrote this letter, it was about 67, 68 uh, AD, uh, just prior to his crucifixion. Remember the history tells us that Peter, when he was crucified by Caesar Nero, that Peter didn't feel worthy to be hung in the same way that Jesus was hung on the cross. You know, like this, you know, upside like this. But tradition tells us that he, he wanted to be hung upside down on the cross as just an homage to his Savior. And um, Peter wrote this epistle, this letter, First and Second Peter. We've already went through First Peter, and these two letters were from Peter, and they were really meant to be read straight through. You know, our translators who have translated them from the original Greek have divided them up into chapters and verses to help us, to make it easier for us to identify passages. But remember, this was a letter. And so when you read this second Peter, this second letter, read it all the way through if you can. As many times as you can, you get the, the, the context and you get the idea of what Peter was trying to share with these New believers from the day of Pentecost, remember, who are now on the run from Rome and certainly on the run from the Jews who hated them because they thought it was some kind of uh, aberrant doctrine that was being taught. But yet, the believers were just uh, believing in the things that had been foretold in the Bible and the prophets. It's kind of interesting how somebody can be so blind, isn't it? How you can, the Jewish people, even though we love them and we thank them for, you know, all that they've done, 
even today, they're, they're still in this blindness, and yet God loves them. They're his, they're his people. They're his chosen people. And yet they've got these blinders on. They can't see what God has so f- shown us so freely. And it is, it is an, isn't it amazing that this could be, that the very things that are written hundreds of years prior have, have come to pass, and things that are yet future to us, that God has foretold to us by the prophets, they're going to come to pass literally just as the ones that have already occurred. Several of them have already occurred. So Peter writes this letter warning them. And warning them for at least four different reasons. And encouraging them and exhorting them. First, the false teachers. Next week we're going to be getting into chapter 2 of this letter where Peter just uh, warns them about false teachers and false doctrines. And isn't it amazing that as soon as the church was born, it was immediately under attack. And if it wasn't truth, then the devil would have nothing to do with it. There'd be no attack if it wasn't important. But do you know that your faith, the, the faith that we hold, the Bible that we hold in our laps, this is truth. It is the only truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father except through me. And certainly he's the living word, but he's also giving us his written prophetic word. And so it's important that we read it, that we know it. That we know it. So Peter was warning them of false teachers, false doctrines. And we need to be aware of that today because our world is so filled with them now. The church is so filled with them. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's, hard, it's disheartening, actually, to think that it's not good enough just to read from the Scripture. We've got to make things up and somehow make them smooth and palatable for everyone. And I'll be honest with you, I think that sometimes the hardest truths are the ones that are the, the most important things are hard to sometimes to take because it confronts us in our humanity, it confronts us in our sin, and we have to take a look at it. It forces us to take a look at it. And no other world religion will do that. It'll just tell you, you know, you can do whatever you want, or if you do do something, you know, go through this ritual and you'll be, say, you know, you'll be absolved of your sin. And yet Jesus said, just come to me. There's, there's a one-step process. It's not a 12-step process. It's one, one step. And that's the way it's always meant to be. And one of the other things, Peter, uh, one of the other themes in this second letter of Peter is the importance of Christian character. And we looked at that last week in verses 5 through 11. And certainly the prophetic scripture, which we're going to be looking at today. That scripture was given by inspiration to holy men of God as they were led to write of the Holy Spirit. And certain one of the, the last things that Peter would encourage them in is the hope of the second coming. That Jesus one day is going to come. We know that as Christians that, that we are going to be raptured. You can read about it in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. You can read about it in 1 Corinthians 15. It talks about what's going to happen and what kind of body we're going to receive, just like Jesus' body on the day of his resurrection. But we are going to be raptured. And the Bible says that there's going to be a seven-year period of tribulation of God judging the earth because they have rejected his son. And, folks, we know that that time is coming. Can you see the pieces coming together? You read the news and you see the things with Iran and Russia and you look at all these things and the pieces, folks, the chess pieces are moving and they're getting in order. And for the the born-again believer, these things are very obvious to us. But for the natural man who doesn't care about Christ, who doesn't even know the Bible, think of how scary this world must be. And yet God shows us in advance, in Ezekiel, 
that these things are coming. Isn't that what a good shepherd does? He, he goes before you and he tells you things in advance. And how can he do that? How can, how can God do that? Well, there are three qualities that God alone possesses. He's omniscient, which means he knows all things. He's always known all things. He can't learn anything. So he knows. That's why the Bible says he is the Alpha and the, and the Omega, the, the, the first letter in the Greek alphabet and the last letter in the Greek alphabet. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the A to the Z. I am the first and the last. He's seen it all. He, he, uh, the whole history of humanity, he, he's already seen it as if it's a past deal. And that's why, because of his foreknowledge, he knows what's coming. He can tell us. And isn't that encouraging to you? If you're not a believer, it's pretty discouraging because you look at the things that are coming, and that's pretty scary stuff. But if you're a believer, he's told you these things. And it, it just gives my heart such great joy to know that he loves us so much to share those things in advance to us. He's not left us orphans. He's not left us father, you know, fatherless. He is our father in heaven. And because of that, he loves us. And he wants to tell you in advance what's coming. Do you know what's coming? Are you reading your Bible? I'd encourage you to read it more than you read anything else. And the more you read it, the, more, the greater your appetite is going to be for it. I know this to be true for myself. So, those are the themes of 2 Peter. Let's read. I'm just going to read uh, verses uh, 5 through the end of the chapter. Just to kind of get in context what we're going to look at this morning, verses 12 through 21 specifically. Let me just read verse 5 to the end of the chapter. He says, but also for this very reason... He says, and this is where Peter is talking about the importance of Christian character. And more than ever, Christian character is important. It's a very proof of what God has already done in us. If you're still living a life of debauchery and you're still, in, still living a life that is just filled with sin, we, we know that we're all sinners. Even as born-again believers, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. But we know that God is sanctifying us. It's taking time. But if you don't see your life growing in Christ and growing in the Word of God and growing in a desire to let these things work themselves out in you by the Spirit of God, there's something wrong. You have to go back to the, to the table again and say, Lord, am I really one of yours? Or am I just playing a game? Am I just making things up and, and somehow believing that I'm one of yours, but really my life has no change in it at all? One of the most marked differences of a born-again believer is a changed life. I remember the year, the day, the moment when that happened in my life. I remember it as like yesterday. There must be a changed life, folks. We must be listening to the Word of God and not only just listening, but obeying it. Obeying it. So verse 5, he says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, or uh, uh, patience, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love, agape love. The Greek word there is agape. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things, notice, is short-sighted. He's blind, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he has cleansed, that he was cleansed from his old sins. And notice, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. And we discussed that last week. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, you'll never trip up. 
For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it gets us right into the verses we're going to talk about this morning. He says, For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you already are established in the present truth. Notice, though you are already established in the present truth, I'm going to remind you, Peter says. Yes, I think it is right, verse 13, as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by remembering you, or reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we may know to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But notice, underline this, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. And here it is. This is my beloved son, God the Father would say to his son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And we're going to look at that this morning. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. Notice. The prophetic word confirmed because of that visit on the Mount of Transfiguration. It confirmed what the scriptures have already been telling them for hundreds of years prior. Telling them of Jesus, that he is the Messiah, that his kingdom is coming. So Peter would say, we also have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed, to listen to, to pay attention to, as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star, Jesus Christ, rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Let's go back to verse 12, and we're just going to take a look at this. Peter says in verse 12, For this reason I will be not negligent to remind you always of these things, though you, are, though you know and are established in the present truth. You know, in the scripture, whenever something is repeated, it's very important that we take note of why. Or just take note that it is. It's repeated. It's repeated. I love what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes Chapter 5, verse 2, he says, Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. (laughs) I like that. Let our words be few. That's why he gave me two ears and one mouth. I should listen twice as much as I speak. But usually, I speak twice as much as I hear. Right? But God has made that very clear. Listen, let me remind you. And he doesn't do that for nothing because he knows that we need to be reminded. I need to be reminded. Do you need to be reminded? I don't know, maybe you don't. Maybe you get it the first time. But you're different from most everybody because even the disciples had a hard time remembering and being told the first time. God would tell them over and over again. Jesus, while he walked the earth with them, would tell them over and over again, I'm reminding you guys, and we're going to get to this. (laughs) And yet they forgot, they forgot, they forgot. And then finally, after his resurrection, oh, I remember. And notice how gracious God is, how patient he is. Love that. And in fact, in these three, um, three times in these four verses, verses 16 through 18, 
I'm sorry, uh, 12 through uh, 15. In these four verses, three times Peter reminds them. We see it in, in verse 12. I will not be negligent to remind you. And then look in verse 13. He says, yes, I think it's right as long as I'm in this tent. Underline this, to stir you up by reminding you. The second time, I'm reminding you. And then finally in verse 15, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things. Notice, after my decease. After my decease, Peter knew his time was short. And isn't it true, the more that I'm reminded, the less inclined I will be to forget. That's what rote is all about. That's why I need, you know, when children learn their alphabet, they learn it through a song. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. and the, You know, whatever they do, they learn through repetition. Repetition. And God knows that we need repetition. So he will often repeat himself, just as he's doing through, by the Spirit, through the Apostle Peter. And why does he do this? Because it says in Psalm 103, verse 14, For he knows our frame. He knows our frame. He knows what we're all made of because he created us, didn't he? So he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. We are literally dust. He made Adam from the dust. Didn't he just pile a bunch of dirt together and he made Adam? (laughs) That's what he's made of. The same elements that are in the ground are, guess what, are the same elements that are in our bodies. Science confirms this. The same elements from the earth is what we're made of. Go figure. Confirms what it says. He made Adam of the dust, and he breathed into him life, and he became a living soul. But the case in point, so the reminding is necessary for us. And Jesus reminded the disciples about his impending death. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, you might just want to write these down, and I'm just going to read them to you for the sake of time. But Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. The very first time that Jesus predicts his death and resurrection to his disciples... Matthew 16, verse 21, he says, From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. And then notice in Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 22 again, the second time Jesus reminds them. Why is he doing this? Because he knows they're thick-headed, just like me. (laughs) Are you thick-headed? I need to be told again and again and again. And sometimes, maybe on the 53rd time, I'm like, oh, yeah. How many times have you told your kids, pick up your room? Before you leave your room, turn off your light. And then you go upstairs and you realize their light's on and they're still outside. And you're like, how many times you got to tell them? Well, God is a perfect father. He knows exactly. So Jesus reminds them again in Matthew 17, verse 22. He says, now, while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, notice, he says to them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. They listened, but they really weren't listening. They're like, what are you talking about? And then again, just a few chapters later, and of course, there's a lot of time in between these chapters Maybe a few months, maybe a year, maybe less. Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 17. The third time, he reminds them again. It says, Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. A third time. Guys, I'm going to Jerusalem. There's a purpose I'm going. And the Son of Man will be betrayed 
to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. All those things took place, and the third day he will rise again. Notice how patient Jesus is with them and how patient he is with us. What's in your mind about God? Hopefully it's based on the Bible, because if your opinion about God is something of your own making, I would encourage you to know him. You know him when, when Jesus, when the Spirit of God comes in you, but you also know him through what he has written to us. I know his character. I'm learning more about his character every single day because he's revealing himself to me, to you, through his word. And you see how loving and compassionate he is. Compassionate. You see how gracious and merciful he is. So when, when somebody comes up to you and says, man, God is just angry with me because of what I've done. Well, you know what? He took out all of that punishment upon his son on the cross. There's no, re- no, need, no reason to be beating you up about it. Did he indeed take the sin of man on the cross upon himself? Or did he not? If he didn't, then we probably deserve what we got coming to us. But if he did take the punishment, there's no need for God to be beating you up. He chastens those whom he loves, certainly. But it's different. It's to instruct us. To take us like, like, like a mother. Or uh, I saw this video somewhere recently. I think it was on Facebook or something. And it was the cutest thing. Somewhere up in the forest, there's this mother, mother bear. And she's walking her cubs. And the cubs are following behind her. And she gets right in the middle of the road. And these people are stopping their jeep. And they're, they're taking this video of this big mama bear and her cubs. And the one little bear is kind of going back. And she waits for him or her. Gets her attention. Come on, keep up. And next thing you know, the little bear gets back in line and they cross the road together and they're stumbling and it's the cutest thing you've ever seen. Cutest thing. But Jesus is patient with us because he loves us. Now turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 24 because this really kind of sums it all up. He's telling them, just like Peter is reminding these believers about his time is going to be short. And that's what, a, that's what a good pastor will do. That's what a good shepherd will do. Will remind you of things coming so that you are not caught unawares. And Jesus did the same thing. And we're going to see it here in Luke chapter 24. We're just going to look at the first 12 verses. Just going to read them right straight through. And you'll see the application. Remember, he's already reminded them three times. And other groups of people that were around them as well. Around the 12 disciples. He's reminding them. Three times he reminded them. And then finally, the crucifixion occurs. Finally, the resurrection occurs. And notice what happens. Luke 24, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of Jesus Christ. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. We know these were angels. And then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you? Underline that word. Remember? Remember how he spoke to you? When he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Again, he's speaking to the women at this point. They must have been in the company perhaps of Peter, James, and John, and the other disciples, when Jesus reminded them over and over again, preparing them, I'm not going to be here very much longer, guys. 
but you know what's coming. You know that I'm going to ascend to the Father, and I'm going to come back for you. And we're waiting for that. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in Peter's second epistle. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.